This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Coming up next, it's Studemonia, discussion and stories about living well in New Zealand from international students across Canterbury, supported by the Ministry of Education. Kia ora and moin moin and welcome back to A German Living Abroad. Today's topic is going to be languages, their future, and uh, as usual, we start off with the news. COVID emergency break can expire as planned at the end of June. With COVID-19 cases declining across Germany, Chancellor Angela Merkel has said special centralized measures can end. But she warned that the virus has not yet gone away. The special powers that grant the federal government the ability to impose coronavirus restriction nationwide can come to an end in June as planned. German Chancellor Angela Merkel told reporters on Monday. Germany has seen the infection rates fall across the board in recent weeks, meaning that the federal imposed restrictions are no longer deemed necessary. The Chancellor pushed for the implementation of the emergency break after the country's 16th state failed to pursue a uniform set of restrictions as had been previously agreed upon. She said that the break had added clarity. She also thanked people for their efforts over the past two months, which had brought the infection rate down to below 40 new infections per 100,000 people in the past seven days for Germany as a whole. Germany officially recognizes colonial area Namibia genocide. Germany on Friday formally recognized uh, as genocide the crimes committed by its colonial troops at the beginning of the 20th century against the Herero and Nama people in what is now Namibia. Foreign Minister Heiko Maas said Germany had, had caused immeasurable suffering to the Herero and Nama people. It's the first time that Berlin has recognized the atrocities committed with the declaration coming after five years of negotiations. The aim of the negotiation was to find a common path to genuine reconciliation in memory of the victims. Foreign Minister Heiko Maas said in a statement that as a gesture of recognition of the immeasurable suffering Germany caused, it would set up a fund amounting to 1.1 billion euro. Denmark helped US spy on Angela Merkel and European allies. Media reports claim US National Security Agency has used Danish cables to spy on senior officials. Reports that Denmark's military intelligence agency helped the US to spy on leading European politicians, including the German Chancellor Angela Merkel, have sparked concern and demands for an explanation in the EU capitals. Danish public broadcaster Denmark's radio said the NSA, whose alleged tapping of Merkel's phone was disclosed by Edward Snowden in 2013, also used the Danish Defence Intelligence Service to spy on officials in Sweden, Norway and France. The allegations are contained in an international classified report on the FA's role in a civilians partnership agreement with the NSA from 2012 to 2014, the broadcaster said, citing nine identified sources familiar with the investigation. It said the NSA used Danish information cables to spy on senior officials, including the former German Foreign Minister Frank-Walter Steinmeier and then opposition leader Pierre Steinbrück. It was not clear whether the Danish government authorized the taps. And finally, Germany aims to get self-driving cars on the roads in 2022. 
Germany lawmakers greenlit a bill that would allow for some autonomous vehicles to hit public roads as early as next year. The bill passed by the Bundestag lawmakers in a late-night session on Thursday changes traffic regulation to allow for autonomous vehicles to be put in regular use across Germany. The bill specifically concerns vehicles with fully autonomous systems that fall under the Level 4 classification where the computer is in complete control of the car and no human driver is needed to control or monitor it. This was the news for today. We'll be right back after the short song. A German living abroad with me today in studio. I have Sergio. Welcome, Sergio. 
Uh, kia ora, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be here today and just being interviewed by a friend of mine. Thank you. So I've invited you to here because I want to talk a little bit more about my favorite subject and that are languages. And uh, it, it is an... Uh, um, Oh, what's the word? I'm struggling already. Um, an underestimation if to say you are an expert in languages because you teach languages. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm a lecturer at Canterbury Uni and I'm currently uh, teaching Spanish. And I also uh, basically teach translation yeah. and interpreting in the new masters. We created a masters just like a year ago. And uh, I'm in charge of teaching um, digital tools for translators and also in charge of the consecutive and simultaneous interpreting side of things. Yeah, well, that's, that's a mouthful. Um, we will talk a little bit later about translation and interpreting and um, how the future of um, how the future looks about learning languages. But let's start with uh, um, ha- basically teaching languages. How many languages do you speak yourself? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, well, uh, I think that at different definitions as to like, you know, the languages you can speak or mm. not. But um, if if you consider, you know, being fluent in yeah. a language, as in, you know, you speak it, then I think I might speak like three, probably four, I don't know. So I speak mm. um, Spanish and English, and then I speak German because I studied in Germany. Yeah. And, um, and then uh, I also speak a bit of Thai because I lived in Thailand for four years. And uh, a bit of French on the side. I also learned Italian and Portuguese. Yeah, wow. And, um, but I don't really speak them fluently. So yeah. I'd say probably, yeah, just three languages. Well, had you always an affinity for languages or how did that start? Um, yeah, well, in my case, um, it started already as a child. So mm. um, I used to travel quite a lot to UK. And um, and then we had just family over there. Yeah. And um, and then, um, yeah, so I just started speaking English from the tender age of, I don't know, maybe probably just seven years old or something oh, like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but it was in Liverpool as well, mm. which doesn't help. It's oh, not I like, like the Liverpool well, accent. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit rough around the edges. But, mm. um, but you know, once once you actually sort of master it, and um, then it's 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 fun. And, um, yeah, and then after that, I just started taking foreign languages at secondary school. Mm-hmm. So I took English and French. Yeah. And uh, of course, Latin, right? Like back wow, in Europe. Really? And um, yeah, it wasn't even an option, right? Mm. I had to take Latin. So yeah. And then just for university, I decided, you know, I want to maybe make a career out of this. Okay. Mm. It's, it's interesting. And um, I, I think my love for languages is definitely when I moved to return to North Africa and was exposed to a new language and learned that language. Well, mm. not at that time when I was learning it. At that time, it was just oh, strenuous and uh, hard and difficult. Yeah. But after I mastered it, I, I, I appreciated the value of another language yeah. and the insight. So uh, were there any pre-academic uh, career tools or ways you would learn. Uh, I think you mentioned that you moved to the country that helped, which yes. I can agree. And, and definitely, yeah, it does help. It does help, yeah, of course, yeah. Well, in my case, I I studied English linguistics first and then I moved mm. on 
and completed a second degree in translation and interpreting with German, English and Spanish. And uh, it did help that it was living in the target country, in this case yeah. Germany, and then Austria. So two years altogether. And because, uh, um, yeah, I remember that point when I started really, really enjoying it because interpreting was really daunting at first, mm. actually. But um, I, it got to the point where I started sort of dreaming in the target language. Oh, okay. And I said like to myself, like, wow, this is actually awesome. <laughs> yes. And I'm loving it. So, and at that point, I, it just started, you know, things started just falling into place and I felt really comfortable with new languages. And I think, you know, the more languages you learn, the easier you find it to learn and add another one to the mm. pool. So, and that happened to me with Thai, like when I was living in Thailand, I just, I could have done actually without speaking Thai because, yeah. you know. A lot of people speak of, English there, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Mm. And, you know, it's a major capital city, isn't it, Bangkok. So um, I also worked at the UN there and everyone spoke English. Mm. But um, but then, you know, once you're on the street and you just want to buy do you just want to buy, say, a banana or a rambutan yeah, yeah. or some lychees? Then you have to actually use Thai, and um, and you know you just want to haggle over the prices as well and uh, things like that. So, um, so yeah. Just to, to interrupt you quickly, uh, so um, you said you well you spoke English and uh, you speak Spanish obviously and Germany and they are all, uh, a little bit close to each other. So um, was it quite difficult to learn then a new language like Thai, which is totally different? Mm. Um, or was it easier because you already had, uh, okay, you're approaching it uh, in a certain way and mm. that's how you approach it in Thai. It doesn't matter which language you're learning as long as you approach it systematically. Yeah. Or how, how did that go? Well, yeah, good question, actually. Um, yeah, so Thai is a very different language in that, you know, it has tones, mm. which was something totally unbeknownst to me. You yeah. know? And um, so... So, yeah, I came across, you know, this whole world of tones where you just can't, you have to content yourself and just not be too emotional mm. <laughs> because if you're angry, then you just might apply the the wrong tone. And instead of saying, oh, come here, yeah. you're just going to say, like, you know, something that, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Or even worse. <laughs> yes. All right. That's okay. So emotion actually uh, changed the meaning of a language. Um, it could, it could, right? Like in Chinese or, mm. um, you know, in Thai. So coming from a non-tonal language, you know, yeah. you have to be careful and always just, you know, just mind the syllables and just um, always pay attention to the right tone. Okay, so yeah. you see, I, I, I never experienced it. I know I speak a little bit of Arabic and mm-hmm. um, I don't think emotion, well, it, it just sounds it, it sounds harsher, but it doesn't change the meaning of the word if you... Mm-hmm. In an emotional state, and you just pronounce it a little bit different. Yeah. You recognize, oh, it's a foreigner. So. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I could give okay. you an example. Oh, actually, yes, please. Like Go in, ahead. In Thailand, mm-hmm. I, I once got lost, as usual, right? Being a yeah. foreigner in Bangkok, yeah. huge city. And um, then I was in a taxi and I uh, wanted to you know, meet some friends at a rooftop bar. And um, so I learned this word that was put. Mm. And um, and then I also learned another word that was yud, and now yud uh, means stop, mm. but the right tone to say stop is yud, and not yud. 
So um, I kept using the wrong tone. Yeah. And uh, if you use the wrong tone, you are saying kiss. Oh. So um, so I kept telling the driver, please kiss me, kiss <laughs> here, <laughs> which he might have interpreted as kiss me, please yes. kiss me. And I kept just getting you know a bit more upset because he was yes. actually pulling over. Okay. So I was like, please kiss, kiss, kiss. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. So um, I think. Still, uh, what what else? So living there, uh, having the right emotional state, what else helped you in learning language? Um, I think, of course, you know, you must have a passion for learning languages. In mm. my case, you know, um, a language is not something you just learn, but it comes embedded in a culture, right? Oh, absolutely, and, um, yes. Yeah. So, you know, for example, the Thai culture or the German mm. culture or the British culture, you know, they're cultures that I, I feel an affinity uh, for and, um, mm. and I just feel comfortable with. So, um, of course, the more you learn about the culture, the easier it, it gets, you know, to learn the language, I think. But, yeah, of course, just like we were saying before, I think being immersed mm. in the country helps you quite a lot. Well, not everybody, unfortunately, can afford to immerse himself in that country and learn the language. Um, so let's move to towards your, your um, lecture position. So how do you teach your uh, students to learn a language or to approach language? Yeah, well, uh, funny you say that. Yeah, exactly, because um, I'm also completing my PhD at the University of Canterbury. And mm. what I'm looking at is um, how to offer my students opportunities to become immersed, mm. even if it's artificially, in oh, the Thai okay. language. Yeah. So I do something which is called gamification, which is like getting what makes video games, for example, addictive. And I just apply those tenants. They could be dynamics, mechanics, and um, I just apply them in class and into immersion uh, tasks that they have to complete as part of the course. So, for example, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Um, I design scavenger hunts, yeah. and uh, and then you know a student just uh, break students up in teams, and then they get a, a mobile handset, and mm. then you know they I basically set up some digital beacons around the campus, and then you know they just uh, basically complete the scavenger hunt with the aid of the mobile because yeah. it shows all the yeah. digital beacons, and they have to keep solving missions and stuff. Another thing that I do is escape rooms, yeah, and. Um, and now I'm really happy to say that I'm going to be adding some uh, augmented reality this mm. year. I just yeah. got the clearance from university to start doing it. And um, I've also looked into video games, language video games. Like you might be familiar with certain apps like Duolingo, yes. for example. Yeah. So I took it a bit further and um, and basically I analyzed another video game, which is called Guadalingo. Mm. And uh, it offers the students the possibility of just be immersed in a in a sort of virtual um, city where they can only speak Spanish, right? And yeah. Um, yeah, and also the latest thing that I've been working on is the challenges, the Spanish challenges, which are a set of missions whereby students can explore their own talents. So I offer students a chance of go tramping, right? Mm. And then, you know, they can videotape themselves with the mobile. And then they can just uh, describe, you know, the tramp that they are completing or they can just sing a song or they can just cook a, you know, any Latin dish, for example. And um, and that helps them, you know, in a way to explore their multiple intelligences as well. Oh, OK, so this um, what I found uh, 
with at least with Duolingo or with with other apps, um, it's you quite limited in with your vocabulary. Yeah, uh, you don't get that feedback. Are you pronouncing it correctly? Are you saying it correctly? So yeah. how are you? Uh, navigate this this problem exactly exactly ben yeah well said so um yeah i think video games tend to be quite limited they can be mm. offered that like they could be offered as a uh, complement right okay. to language yes. learning yeah. but never as a you know as a replacement for mm. say a teacher or just being immersed really in the target um country so i think they serve a purpose but that's a complementary one so, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's always an add-on. Uh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, um, after the break, we're gonna talk a little bit more about uh, you working for the UN and um, teaching, interpreting, and translating, and what the differences actually are. Uh, we will be right back after this song. I'm 
welcome back. You're listening to German Living Abroad. With me, uh, still in the studio, is Sergio. Hello, Sergio again. Kia ora. So, um, we touched about uh, in the first segment how you can learn and uh, what tools are, are there to learn a language. And uh, let's go to now to a career but, uh, if you speak some languages and uh, you're teaching translation and interpreting. Um, can you just el elaborate a little bit more what the differences are and, um, yeah, just go a little bit more in detail. Yeah, so translation, written word, interpreting spoken word, right? And um, so, yeah, I, I teach uh, both. But, um, so at uni, I teach digital tools for yeah. uh, translation. So you can imagine like Google Translate, for example, yes. or Deeple, oh, right? Excellent. Or I love any that tool. Yeah, exactly. Actually, Deeple is German, isn't it? And um, it's not. A, that's not a reason why I like it. I just like uh, it because right. it gives you more option than Google Translate. It, it does. It does. It does because um, it searches through a wider corpus. Yeah. It's based on uh, I got the my old dictionary. Thanks to Deeple, actually. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were looking at Deeple, for example, which is like yes. you know an elaboration on Lingui, the online dictionary that gives you oh, context yes. as well. Mm. And um, yeah, and um, so that's on the one hand, yeah. So translation and then interpreting. So oh, I, I, um, I need to follow up a question. Oh, yeah. um, are these tools getting better and better? The cook, I remember Google Translate is still quite terrible. Dibble, yeah. you still have to do a little bit more active, but it's getting better. Yeah, well, um, actually, funny you ask, because the other day, just last week, we put it to the test. Mm. And I gave my students an assignment where they had to try out how accurate Deeple and actually both Google Translate and Deeple were vis-a-vis mm. uh, -vis three different contexts. So I gave them a colloquial sort of paragraph oh, that wow. contained many idioms. Yes. Then a sort of just, uh, I think it was an extract from The Little Prince, you yes. know, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the French. Famous French. Uh, yes. And, mm. um, and then something else. And it was surprisingly good to yeah. the point where even, you know, colloquialisms were picked up, not by Google Translate so yeah, much, yeah, but Deeple. Yeah. Deeple was really good, yeah. So, yeah, the algorithm is evolving. Mm, excellent. So now then to interpreting, there are differences as well, you said. Yeah, so basically um, at uni we just covered the uh, two... Um, just um, sort of dominant um, modalities have been consecutive and and simultaneous. Consecutive, yeah. you are allowed to make notes, and uh, and then simultaneous, you have to learn a new skill, which is scary at first, I think. Mm. But it just consists of you just speaking while you're listening. So, yeah. So, yes, um, I know that a lot of people say, oh, that it's easy, you just need to translate. But no, it's actually much more than just translating, correct? Mm -hmm. So yeah. what, what does it, what, what uh, skills do you actually need to have to be a simultaneous translator? Yeah, well, first of all, you need to really keep calm, okay, because it yeah. can get really stressful in the booth. And um, also, uh, you need to be good at analyzing uh, chunks of language just really, really quickly. I'll give you an example. Yes. Like in Thai, you know, people kept asking me that in Thai, like, oh, have you had lunch yet? Mm. And I kept just saying, like, yes or no, but I didn't think of it any further. Yeah. What they actually meant, the pragmatic meaning, you know, what they meant was, are you okay? Like, how are you? Ah. And so, because if you have a full stomach, you know, you're yes. just good, right? Because you've eaten. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, an interpreter in that case would just, um, you know, the, the moment he hears something or she hears something mm. in Thai, you know, say like, oh, have you had lunch yet? They should correctly interpret it as how are you and oh, not oh. have you had lunch yet? Because one thing we interpret is mm. meaning and not yes. words. Okay. 
And uh, and I think um, I saw on an, an, an YouTube clip about um, uh, interpreting is uh, um, so you need to be serious and. Uh, I think humor is one of the complicated things to translate correctly. Yeah, one of the golden rules. Uh, so you should never, ever translate humor. And I'll give you an anecdote <laughs> if we have any time. Yeah, so we do have. A I was just um, interpreting actually for um, one of the Polish prime ministers, like uh, just a while ago. And uh, it was a summit in Kuala Lumpur. And um, we had a pivot interpreter at the time, so someone who was basically doing Polish into English. And then yeah. I would just channeling into the English booth and just doing English into Spanish. And I just remember just looking into the Polish booth and um, and apparently, you know, the, the Prime Minister just cracked up a joke, right? Yeah. But it was in Polish. And it was deemed sort of offensive, apparently. Oh, okay. And um, so what the interpreter did was just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, so he just basically just said, Right, so the Polish Prime Minister has just cracked up a joke. Mm. Please laugh. <laughs> and then everyone started just laughing at the plenary session. And um, yeah. yeah, and everyone just loved it. And of course, he was just so proud of his joke, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, so um, that's an interesting fact. Do actually the political leader know that a translator doesn't translate joke or... They, they don't know the secret, basically. We give it now away, didn't they, basically? I think we're just giving it away, Ben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, unfortunately, we're coming to an end. Uh, it was really lovely having you here, Sergio. Thank you for coming. Absolute pleasure, Ben. And for Please. answering my questions. This is, uh, so this was the show for today. Please tune in the next time uh, for the show German Living Abroad. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>